This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. Some of us pump, and some of us slump. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Positivity Wolfie T. Oh, he's an imbecile, probably from birth. Man's a complete idiot. Pray to God he's an idiot. And I am not an idiot. <laughs> you still got a couple more episodes of that clip. I'm not an imbecile. I am not an idiot. I was not born an idiot. When it comes to Oscar picks, it is. It is true. It has been said. I think it's better to not pick the Oscar winners. Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> it means that I'm not in step with the Hollywood insiders. Mm-hmm. We are in step with the wrestling world. How was that this past weekend? I'm sure you... Uh... Went all out for WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Well, it was really was it two nights? Out. It was... Uh, I heard people talking about two nights. I thought it was just one night. It was two nights of WrestleMania. Yes. Do they always do two nights? They have since 2020. Okay. I was going to say, that's got to be pretty new. Yeah. They started it uh, in 2020 because they... Uh, <laughs> The pandemic hit right before WrestleMania that year, and so they did it at the uh, the performance center in front of zero uh, audience members. I mean, all the all the is that when they had all the TVs out there, or they had not thought of that it yet? Was, it was before that. They <laughs> they set an attendance record that year, zero paid attendance, and they said, uh, "I don't think we can do eight consecutive hours of empty arena matches. <laughs> we need to break this up." And then uh, they just kind of carried it on since then. Now mm. that they're back in big stadiums, they because the the last one before the pandemic, like literally went eight hours, and it was like it started at like four in the afternoon and it ended at midnight, <laughs> <laughs> and people were like, "This is too fucking much. Like, could we have a break?" So you got to buy separate tickets if you want to go to both nights, right? It's not a package deal. Well, they had some, they had, they had combo deals. Um, yeah. I think you could buy tickets to one or the other, but they had deals to buy tickets to both. Right. Friday, they had the regular SmackDown, and then they had uh, the Hall of Fame induction right after it. Saturday morning, they had NXT stand and deliver. And then they had WrestleMania night one, Saturday night, WrestleMania night two on Sunday. And then uh, Monday was the Raw after WrestleMania. It was all in Los Angeles. Who were the new inductees to the HOF? We had uh, Rey Mysterio, mm-hmm. who was still active, so it's weird that he got in. <laughs> um, it was a small class this year. So it was Rey Mysterio, Stacy Keebler, who you may remember from uh, her short time in WCW before that went under, and then she uh, went to the WWF. She managed... The Dudley Boys, Test, Scott Steiner, 
Um, apparently she did Dancing with the Stars and uh, became a huge star outside the WWE, although I haven't heard from her since she left. So I know that name. I think she dated George Clooney for a time. Okay. So those two got in. Oh, the great Muda got in. One of the greatest Japanese wrestlers of all time. Mm. Ooh, he, he he has never wrestled in the WWE, so it was weird that they put him in. But uh, <laughs> he worked for WCW in the 90s. Um, very influential. Okay. And then uh, they gave the Warrior Award to Tim White, who was a uh, referee. And uh, before that, he was Andre the Giant's handler. Mm. And then uh, last but not least... Andy Kaufman. Oh, nice. The Inner Jenner champion of the world. Yeah. <laughs> we had a famous feud with Jerry the King Lawler in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, I was actually rewatching that uh, spot on Letterman uh, the other day. Came across my YouTube feed. And um, I was also, I rewatched one or two of his performances from Carson. They were pretty good. His appearances, I should say, but he performed and then then went right. and sat panel for a little bit. So they I mean, they did a, uh, a Vice TV has a show called Tales from the Territory, and they they had a whole episode dedicated to Andy Kaufman's time in Memphis. So um, if you're interested in any of that, I would recommend it. It was it was really insightful. It was actually. It was like the first time that they legit like pulled the curtain all the way back. Cause like a lot of the stuff, like they're like, Oh yeah, it was fake or whatever. You know, we planned that, but like, there's always some question about like how legit, like the stuff Andy Kaufman did uh, actually was. And uh, they basically spill all the beans. And like all of it was just like, you know, planned out. <laughs> so, yeah. Although I guess his matches against women, the open challenges. I guess those were legit. Like he he actually would wrestle women for real. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like a legit like champion. Uh, <laughs> he earned those titles. And then uh once he started getting into like the actual like territory in Memphis, like and working with the real wrestlers like Jerry Lawler, then it was more uh scripted stuff. But uh yeah, he uh, his uh, siblings got up there and accepted the uh, award for him, and they talked about how he grew up a huge wrestling fan his whole life, and he appreciated the the art of the uh, the uh, the performance, and uh, you know he probably would have cherished being a WWE Hall of Famer more than any other thing uh, that he <laughs> yeah. achieved in his career. So yeah, he definitely liked the, uh, he was the, you know, he's a performance artist, song and dance man. And uh, you know, it's, uh, it was, it was really interesting. I, I enjoyed it. It's always fascinating to me, uh, you know, how fondly Lawler will speak of Kaufman and how close they were and how much he hates Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> We talked about you know how annoying he was on set of Man on the Moon, you know, just ridiculous. That documentary is pretty interesting as well. The Man on the Moon. I mean, you got to deal with Jim Carrey being up his own ass for two hours, but yeah, um, it's still the, the behind the scenes footage is pretty terrific. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I've seen the documentary about the making of the movie, but uh, 
I believe it because was didn't Jim Carrey like try to stay in care? Wasn't he method? Oh, yeah, yeah. He uh, and like the way he tells it is, it wasn't even just method acting. He was possessed by Andy's spirit, <laughs> so he wasn't he wasn't controlling his own body. It was Andy. Oh boy, <laughs> no wonder Jerry Lawler hates so. him. He's making a mockery like, yeah, of like, his yeah. friend. You know, again, he would continue this off camera, like he was a nuisance and he would badger Lawler like offset, you know, back by the trailers and whatnot. And, you know, Lawler was like, you know, Andy wasn't like this when the cameras are off, you know, you could, you could talk to him. Yeah. And he's just, Carrie just annoyed him to no end. There's, there's a funny scene where it's Jim Carrey portraying Andy Kaufman, portraying Tony Clifton <laughs> off camera, you know, and during downtime, and he's like, I want to go see the shark because uh, Amblin Entertainment, you know, Spielberg's uh, studio is like on the other side of the lot. Mm, so yeah. he wanted to go see the shark from Jaws. I want to go see the shark. Let's go. And like he just commandeers this uh, golf cart and he heads over there, starts demanding to see Spielberg and the shark and just creating a just a just a ruckus over there at Amblin <laughs> Entertainment. Spielberg wasn't there at the time, but. It's just, he's just annoying people constantly for it's, this documentary is like two hours and it's just him pissing people off for two hours and him, and him pontificating about how Andy, you know, and, you know, uh, basically commandeered his spirits and his body. And it was just, Oh God, just shut up, Jim. Yeah. It's, it seems like Andy Kaufman had an off switch with like certain people <laughs> yeah. and like, you know, like, <laughs> Like you could separate the performer from the real person, like if he, yeah. you know, let you in. But I could see Jerry, uh, Jim Carrey just like taking it the complete opposite way and just like he was on all the time. Yeah. I mean, obviously, wrong. obviously, Coffin was on for a lot of the time for, I mean, that's how his, some of his gags worked. You know, he's, you know, he, he committed to the bit every time. Right. There was one story about him. Uh, setting up a drumstick like he was going to perform and he's he takes like 20 minutes setting it up and then it takes him 20 minutes to pack it all in and he just leaves <laughs> or he'll you know he'll read the tale of two cities to the audience if they piss him off you know he'll read the whole book but um yeah Lawler talked about how kind of off camera they had a good relationship and you could talk to him and you know he turned it off for certain people and yeah you know Jim Carrey's just like nope not going to turn it off for anyone Especially, it got worse when he was being Tony Clifton too. Oh, I'm sure can't yeah. handle Tony Clifton. Oh, on the tales from the territory, Jerry Lawler basically said Andy Kaufman uh, told him that he had lung cancer. Like he was like the either the first or the only person that he told him that he had cancer. Right and. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, Jerry Lawler had a much more intimate relationship with Andy Kaufman than uh, Jim Carrey would ever know about. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, like I said, I could see why Jerry Lawler would fucking hate Jim Carrey just, you know, you know, putting on this act the entire time. Because it seems disrespectful to Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Now, let the record show, I do really like the movie Man on the Moon. I do. I like his performance quite a bit. I liked what Milos did with kind of blending the, you know, bringing back all the taxi 
actors and even having Danny DeVito play his manager. And also it's, you know, <laughs> he's on taxi. So it's, it's a little weird. It's a little meta, but yeah, I do really like that movie. It's just, once you watch that documentary, it's, I'm sure I could see where that would like people have maybe seen the movie and liked it. I could see them hating the movie after seeing the documentary. Yeah. And I think the documentary is called Jim and Andy, the great beyond something like that. Okay. It's on Netflix. That's where I saw it. Yeah. Obviously like his movie, his performance in the movie is fine. Even good. Maybe great. I don't know. But uh, yeah, the behind the scenes stuff sounds like it's really great. Yeah. It's very much on brand for late career. Jim Carrey. Cause I think the documentary is done in about 2016 or so. So it's the bearded, um, wise old, post kickass oh, yeah. two Jim Carrey, making his paintings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we padded enough uh, content to this episode. Uh, we are going to discuss a very short children's movie, a favorite from my childhood, and uh, it's very, sh- it's very short, and it's you don't even need to you know speak much on it. It's not, it's not that uh, not that big a deal. It's not even a kid's movie. It's PG-13. Well, a lot of our movies we uh, talk about PG-13. One of your movies <laughs> from your youth. Well, we did set up the rules years ago that we could include PG-13. Well, I, I'm saying like, I'm not I'm not contesting that you watched it as a child. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it's not rated for children. Yeah, but this although is a, it's, it's a family it's a, movie. It's a very light PG-13. Yeah. There is one F-bomb in there, though. Muerte yells an F-bomb. And not the 80s F-bomb. We're talking talking the real deal F-bomb here. It should be rated PG-13 for Stanley Tucci's brown face. (laughs) Hey, he's Italian, right? He can play... uh, (laughs) What was Muerte supposed to be? He can play Latino. Yeah. No, he's, I wasn't he's sure about specific country, but yeah, Latino. He's unambiguous, or he's ambiguous Latino, probably Mexican. Well, this movie it came out in '83, so this is only ten years removed from Scarface. Okay, so he just <laughs> followed Al Pacino's lead. Well, Al Pacino is a very good actor. He worked so hard on his accent, you know, doing the "Hey Pelican, come on Pelican, uh, Pelican." But that's how he learned that. That's how he learned the accent. <laughs> uh, it's funny because uh, it just reminds me of uh, The Departed. They talk about how Baldwin and all those guys, how they got the Boston accent down, at least that specific Boston accent, was they kept on saying microprocessors. Because <laughs> <laughs> that deal that uh, Jack Nicholson's character is brokering with a bunch of um, Asian gangs or whatever is like, bunch of microprocessors that were stolen yeah microprocessor you say it enough times it gets more and more boston i guess but that was like the one word they used to really hone in the accent (laughs) it still sounds hokey yeah obviously damon didn't need to do it he just had to roll out of bed (laughs) he just had to take off his uh, hollywood accent yeah martin sheen had to uh do it i'm sure but uh, anywho, yeah, so this was your first time seeing this movie. Uh, what are your general thoughts? 
And would you consider it to be a fun for the whole family for the most part? <laughs> I mean, fun is stretching it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, I, I, I thought it was amusing for, for most of the runtime. I didn't laugh really at anything. Like nothing made me laugh out loud. I think it's tame enough that like, anybody could, you know, you can watch it with younger kids, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. I don't know if they would appreciate it as much because there's, I mean, there's a little bit of slapstick in there, I guess. And uh, yeah, there's some funny accents and, and whatnot. But like, I don't think little kids are going to go watch this movie like, oh, this married couple really loves each other and they have fun and they go work together. and Oh, they have a baby. Isn't that c- cool? Like, there's no like little kid character for them to live through. Yeah, it's um, like the Dennis Quaid's character is like that, but he uses, you know, the language of a sophisticated adult, right? And I think a lot of his humor would go over their heads. I mean, if if you wanted to aim it at a younger audience, you, you would have probably made the kid older. Yeah, the the kid is like basically just a baby. That's a good point. And uh, they just kind of lug it around once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Except for when they don't, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, there's like I said, there's no real like little kids for uh, younger viewers to relate to. And basically, all the, all the muerte stuff is pretty much for the kids, and that's about it. Yeah, maybe a little bit of the uh, who's the other villain? Um, the the Czechoslovakian Novacek. I think she kind of. The could check check the kids. <laughs> she could be a little bit of a, a funniness for the kids, I think. Yeah, she's just trying to bed Jefferson Blue the whole time. <laughs> but but um, um, I don't even know if older kids would like this though, because it's yeah. so corny. Yeah, and uh, you know, even as an adult, like it's, it seems like it's juvenile humor so it's like i don't know what the demographic like the target demographic was yeah and it was not a big hit in fact let's look it up now i mean i um, believe that but you think you know this is still looking good kathleen turner and serial mom was what 94 95 and that's yeah. like the last thing i can kind of think of pre pretty contemporary kathleen turner I don't know how many things I've seen her in. Well, Body Heat, huh? Yeah, I mean, that was like 10 years earlier. The the sweatiest movie you'll ever see. <laughs> Pretty solid movie. That makes me think of at WrestleMania, there was a match where uh, Otis was uh, participating. Otis is a, uh, I, I think he was born in Minnesota, but he grew up in Superior, Wisconsin. So he, we claim, I claim him as one of us, but he's a big, <laughs> he's a big wrecking ball of a man. Mm. And they had a Titus O'Neill was on commentary during the match. And all he could talk about was how sweaty Otis was. And he says, <laughs> look at that. Look at Otis sweating for no reason. The match just started and he's already sweating. And he would not stop talking about how sweaty Otis was. <laughs> 
Um, so this film had a budget of $25 million. Jesus Christ, in 1993? <laughs> yeah. Made about $12.5 So, yeah. Kind of a big bomb there. Now, I can kind of understand with the two leads. It's Kathleen Turner was still pretty big at the time. You know, she also had those two Michael Douglas movies. The Jewel of the yeah. Nile and Romancing the Stone in the mid-80s. Peggy got married. Julia and Julia. Uh, she did the voice of Jessica Rabbit, uncredited. The War of the Roses she was in. Yeah. Um, I don't know. what Have you heard of V.I. Warshawski? Uh, no. Yeah. So I, I think after uh, I don't know, The Accidental Tourist, are you familiar with that? Uh, I but, haven't seen it. But I guess after The War of the Roses, where she kind of dropped off. Right. Yeah. So, it was, I mean, it was only... A, I guess four years, four years. Yeah. So. I mean, Dennis Quaid wasn't as big, big as her at the time, but he had done some things like, you know, DOA and inner space dreamscape says here. He was in jaws 3d. He wasn't as uh, big as his brother, Randy. Yeah. Yeah. They um, kind of switched right around the mid nineties. I'd say. I mean, of course, Randy is still physically bigger, but, uh, terms of star power wasn't dennis quaid selling insurance a couple years ago i think so i remember seeing him in commercials with his botoxed face (laughs) i think it was insurance wasn't uh was kathleen turner she was in dumb and dumber too wasn't she yeah Yeah, she was yeah she was she was the one who was was afraid of felcher old afraid of felcher (laughs) yeah it was like oh remember how hot she was back in the day yeah (laughs) <laughs> they go meet her because she had a, a a tramp stamp basically that was like a smiley face, but now it's in her older age it was a droopy face and she had to kind of pull her skin up to remind him who she was. <laughs> oh yeah, Freda. Oh hey, Freda. Man, it's jokes like that that cause Chris Farley to OD. <laughs> Easy, Odenkirk. <laughs> Well, he made too many fat jokes about Chris Farley. That's why he OD'd. <laughs> so also the only he's the only cokehead to gain weight while dying. <laughs> Him and Artie Lang. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Artie Lang got skinny when he got off of coke. <laughs> yeah. Well, when his nose collapsed, he couldn't do it anymore. So. Well, he couldn't snort it. I'm sure he could do it other ways. Yeah, I think free basin takes too long. I suppose he doesn't want to, you know, inject it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did plenty of heroin too. So (laughs) just mix them together. So I guess I should give a brief background. Yeah. I saw this with my family first on Showtime. One of the few times we had Showtime growing up is on the boonies. Um, You couldn't get cable, you get like antenna cable over the airwaves and the nearest place that we got it from didn't have HBO. They only had Showtime and not like Showtime two, Showtime West. It was just Showtime. And we got it as part of like a promo thing for like six months. And then it was like, well, there's only a couple movies a month we like on it. So we're not going to keep paying. And then like, we got it again, like a year later for another half a year. And then we finally got satellite or direct TV around 2000 or so. 
but we had recorded this off of Showtime, and we watched this quite often. It was a nice, fun family favorite. I liked uh, the back and forth with Muerte as a young lad. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do still find it interesting to think about because it's so weird watching it now. Just Dennis Quaid does not turn it off. It's his shtick. He just sticks to it, commits to the bit for the whole movie. Yeah. Like every line, every line. <laughs> There's like less than 10 lines where that are serious. You know, it's a line that's not A, a joke or B, setting up a joke, you know? Right. And it's just, he does not quit. Now, Kathleen Turner will say some serious things now and then. She, I think she just, because she's pretty jokey too, but I guess you know, she moves the plot forward. Yeah. So uh, Quay can just kind of play around, but yeah. So it is kind of an interesting movie to look at. I mean, I can, going into this episode, I was like, God, Brett is either going to hate this movie or love <laughs> it. And I'm guessing he's going to hate it. So I was surprised that you were kind of meh on it, like a kind of a middling review. Like it was amusing enough. Like I thought you were going to have a strong reaction to Dennis Quaid. <laughs> you either like it or just absolutely loathe it. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't hate it. Like it wasn't one of those things where I was like, God, I wish this would end. Um, The jokes were, you know, funny enough to like keep me going through the movie. But like, like I said, like nothing really made me laugh out loud. So it yeah. was like, it's like, oh, this is just funny enough to, you know, keep me interested. But I wish it was funnier. Like, I wish there were more like bigger, maybe bigger jokes. I don't know. But yeah, uh, like everything but, is just like, you know, wordplay, just real quick. And right. You know, and like sometimes that can be hilarious, but it, I don't know. They just don't. It's it's not. It wasn't written by a Cohen brother or a Tarantino, so it's not. It's not great. With <laughs> Stillman, but um, yeah, I I know you're a big slapstick fan, but there isn't all that much slapstick in here, you know. Right. There wasn't enough fat people for Brett in this movie. Larry Miller's accent was it's like <laughs> very strange. I uh, that one I got tired of because like <laughs> I don't. What is this accent? I don't understand half the things you say. Why are you in this movie? Halsey. That's that C-Y, not S-Y. <laughs> like an effeminate Cajun accent. Yeah, it's weird. Some people might appreciate the uh, all the New Orleans uh, location shooting, you know. It's very French Quarter-ish. I'm not a huge Larry Miller fan, by the way. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind him. I liked him... Uh, and his dorky old white guy roles in the 90s. He's just kind of there. Like, he just show up and stuff in the 90s. And it's just yeah. like, oh, Larry Miller's here, <laughs> by the way. You know he does stand-up? No, I didn't. Because he's not very <laughs> prolific. Uh, this movie, we can get into the details here. Directed by Herbert Ross. Who also did My Blue Heaven and Steel Magnolias. Sacred of My Success. Footloose. Pennies from Heaven, one of your favorites, I'm sure. Never seen it. Yeah, uh, the Sunshine Boys, quote unquote classic from the '70s. Never seen it, but you know it's uh, Walter Matthau and George Burns. People rave about it. Well, he followed up Undercover Blues with Boys on the Side, and then he never directed again. Yeah, 
Well, he died in 2001. I mean, Boys on the Side was what? Uh, 95. 95, yeah. Maybe <laughs> this is probably the reason he didn't really direct much. <laughs> uh, such a bad, that's a pretty big bomb for 93. You know, losing probably $20 million he had in the promotion. But uh, anywho, uh, let's go with the cast here. So Dennis Quaid is Jeff Blue. Kathleen Turner is Jane Blue. Fiona Shaw plays Novacek, the Czech Czech. <laughs> Stanley Tucci is Muerte, or Morty, as he's also known. His name is Death. <laughs> yeah. And don't you forget it. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> he likes to put a lot of J's in his, where his Y's are, because he's Latino, I guess. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I think uh, one of these, maybe next year, we'll have another Stanley Tucci appearance in uh, the uh, movies from our youth because we may have to pull out Beethoven. Okay, yeah, I would, I'd be down for that. Does he have uh, some little wisps of hair in that movie too? <laughs> um, I think so. I think so. He gets bit in the junk. Yeah, that's right. He gets uh, the dog bites his dick and then hangs on to it yeah the family's watching from above in that warehouse or whatever i think he might get like 30 needles in his stomach too <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i think so this is a kid's movie <laughs> larry miller plays halsey uh one of the two detectives the other is played by oba babatunde name is sawyer any relation to uh, the avocado? <laughs> What's his name? He's the guy from the the Vikings who who wrestles now. Baba Tunde. Ah, uh, I forget that name because there's two. Roman Reigns was the first one. He was a Viking, and then uh, God, who was the other one? I can't remember the other one's name. Baba Tunde. He was. Uh, I don't know if this is real. It name. was. I thought uh, maybe it was spelled differently or something. I don't know. He was uh, seven. He's seven feet. He still is seven feet tall because he's still with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, oh, that might be his first name. Baba Tunde Ayagbusi. Uh, yep. So I assume there's no relation because the one guy, it's his last name. The other guy's his first name. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember that being his last name, but. That makes sense now. Uh, Tom Arnold plays Vern Newman, who's basically a vacation neighbor because the Blues are on vacation in New Orleans and they kind of meet this couple and they go back and forth with, you can we'll watch your kids, you watch our kids, that type of thing. And they meet them at a white up. party. Yeah. <laughs> at a plantation. Yeah, they, they crash a wedding. Is it a wedding? They didn't get so. the... The blues didn't get the memo to wear white. <laughs> sure didn't. Although I think Kathleen was wearing like a cream or something. Her, she something was a much closer. Jeff definitely wasn't. No. But this is right up Tom Arnold's alley. He would end up doing a whole bunch of movies just like this. Yeah. Park overall played uh, Bonnie Newman, his wife. Ralph Brown is in here as Leamington. You know him from... Uh, seen Whitnail and I? No. He's in that. He's in Wayne's World 2, which came out the same year as this, I think. Uh, Richard Jenkins is in here. It's Frank. 
He's their CIA contact. He's got a full head of hair. Saul Rubinek, Mr. Berterber. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's uh true romance. We, we talked about him. Yeah. And of course, making his debut is uh, Dave Chappelle as Ozzy. This came out the same year as Men in Tights. So obviously had a much bigger role in that one. Honestly, I didn't notice him for <laughs> when I watched it. And you said, oh, you, did you uh, like Chappelle's role? I'm like, I didn't even notice. <laughs> yeah, he, does, he isn't allowed to really be funny at all. Like I went back and watched. He looks and sounds a lot different than he does in other stuff. I don't know if he was just like not putting the voice on or if it was just he hadn't ruined his vocal cords with 30 years of smoking yet. Yeah, right. But he, I don't know, he, like he's in shadow for a lot of it too, so you didn't get a great look at his face. Of course, we watched a twenty-year-old DVD, <laughs> so maybe sure it's uh, maybe it's better in HD. I don't know. A flip DVD with the widescreen on one side and the standard on one side, and it's what the, the stickers are on the wrong side. So you got to yeah the the side that's labeled widescreen, you have to put it down to watch the widescreen version. <laughs> Because that's how labels work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, we can kind of breeze through this plot. I only have about five clips. Uh, isn't all that much to it. You know, they're spies on vacation. They're on maternity leave with their young baby. For 18 months. <laughs> yeah. I suppose you get a little longer when you're in the CIA and you're super spies. Well, they're not in the CIA. They're, they were fired. Well, they're fired from the FBI. They're fired from both. <laughs> well, <laughs> they're because at the end they're not working for either. They're working for uh, uh, the government of the uh, country that they're trying to extradite Novacek to, but they can't extradite her unless she willingly goes. Well, I don't know if they're working for that government. They might be working for Interpol or something. But you know, the Richard Jenkins is like a CIA guy because it's his. Remember, he's, he pays them the money. Is I only have a budget for so much, and I'm way over budget already. And No, they reveal that he's not CIA. He works for the other country. They reveal that? I guess I forgot. I must have been taking diligent notes. <laughs> missed. It's at the end, like, because they're, you know, they're like, oh, we got the helicopter for Novacek, and then she gets on there, and, oh, there's Frank. And uh, they're like, oh, we got her because we had to get her to willingly get on the transport to go to the other country to get tried for whatever crimes they wanted to try her for. Which yeah, I don't know but, how but they I don't think that's a real, helicopter. I don't think that's a reveal that he's with them. They just work jointly with the Czech government because they explain it earlier in the movie that she has to go willingly, you know, it wasn't like a surprise. Yeah. It's actually in one of our clips when they're explaining to the cops what they have to do. But so I, I think he's know. just I, there. I'm, um, I'm positive they, they said they weren't working for either the CIA or the FBI. Mm. Positive. Well, who are they? They're not on maternity leave from the Czech Republic. I know. I know <laughs> that you have watched this several more times than I have. <laughs> and it's been over a week since I watched it. And I don't remember much about it. But that Ooh. I remember. The science is settled. The plot is settled. <laughs> There's no uh, continuity errors. Trust the science. That's scientifically proved that you are suggesting my seat. That's not science. It is, and just let it go. It's not science. I said let it go. I'm just saying. Especially with uh, 
Jane Blue, and she dresses up like a homeless woman for kicks <laughs> on the side sometimes. And then she uh, she rats on her uh, her husband to the police just so they can take along on the adventure for some reason. Because, yeah, the cop does say, like, the bag lady gave us this info about you. Yeah. Like, the bag lady. And then they reveal later that the bag lady was Jane. Mm-hmm. Should we set the scene? For those of you who want some detail, uh, Jeff takes his uh, baby girl in a stroller out for a walk because he wants to smoke uh, his cigar or whatever. And he can't smoke it in the room. He froze again. Should I start over? No, I was just looking over there. Oh, I was going to say. Someone else startled me. like. (laughs) Because you're like, yeah, like shit, he froze. Like chocolate rain. <laughs> I look away you, from the mic to breathe. Because <laughs> usually you look over quick and then you're you're back. And I'm like, oh, chocolate rain. Anyways, Jeff Jeff wanted to smoke, so he had to go take his baby for a walk and blow secondhand smoke into its face. Because <laughs> um, his wife wouldn't let him smoke in the room. Yeah. <laughs> um, while he's out. Uh, a fat guy gets mugged, and then we're introduced to uh, my name is Huerte, and don't you forget it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Huerte and Ozzy uh, decide they want to make one more mugging before the end of the night, and they target Jeff, and uh, Jeff ends up kicking their asses. <laughs> yeah, that's our first clip. Hey, relax, guys. The baby won't hurt you. Give me the wallet and the watch. Hey, look, this is a real baby. I don't want any trouble. Then hand it over. Come on, come on, let's go to the watch. Come on. It's a swatch. Are we finished? Can I go? Look, we had a deal. You commit a felony, I go. My name is Muerte. Well, I'm pleased to meet you, Morty. My name is Jeff. Ozzy! Cut him! Bad idea, Morty. Sweetheart. Oh, you sleep through anything, don't you, honey? I don't get tired of that the, the Morty back and forth with Desquade just totally dismissing him every time. But it's, for, it's funny, but it's like the like it's not hilarious to me, but yeah. like it's it's funny enough. But they they repeat it like five times throughout the movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> every time he shows up, it's like the same shit. Yeah. Um, although it was, I I will admit it was funny when they they flip the tables at the end, like where we'll, yeah. we'll play a clip out of when we get to it. Um, yeah, he's uh, Muerte is very much like Wiley Coyote. You know, he is. A different scheme every time. A different way he's going to get him, or I'm going to surprise him this way. Of course, yeah. he's always has a switchblade knife. 
Well, he's constantly introducing himself too. <laughs> like, like that's part of the problem. It's like, stop trying to like put your name out there. Like, don't you want people to not know who you are? <laughs> like, isn't that part of the job? Yeah. He dispatches of uh, Muerte and Ozzy, heads back home, and obviously the stroller is destroyed. So Jane's wondering what happened, and all of a sudden the cops are going to show up. Well, he Quaid forgot to get the, the formula. Yeah, he did. On the way home. But we were talking about Jane dressing up like the homeless person. So when Jeff is beating up Muerte and Ozzy, there's a homeless lady nearby. And so when the cops show up, we're told that the, the homeless lady reported a mugging or an attempted mugging and uh, described Jeff. Yep. And uh, later we find out that this very distinct looking homeless person is actually Jane. And so Jane went out on the street, witnessed the fight told the police and got back home before Jeff did. Not only that, she took off her costume and all of her makeup. And she showered. Yeah. <laughs> so I I brought this up to you uh, when I was going back and looking for Chappelle after you pointed it out to me. And you uh, suggested that maybe in this scene, the homeless person was just an actual homeless person. Yeah, I and couldn't remember at the later, time. I had the itis. And then later, Jane just happened to dress like her. But they look exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> Although I didn't rewatch the, the bar scene close enough. Like, I didn't compare it with the beginning. But when she shows up again. But, yeah, it's probably her. I it's guess you're just supposed to assume that it took Jeff, like, another 10, 20 minutes to finish his cigar and then head back. But I think it's one of those things where they decided to do something later in the movie, not thinking of how it would affect the earlier parts of the movie. Oh, there's a deleted scene somewhere that explains all of it. Well, like there's just a huge plot hole now. If you put any, any thought into it whatsoever, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. It's like watching scream six. Like, <laughs> like there's no way, there's no way Jane could have been the homeless person. Be gotten there before Jeff did in full costume, reported to the police, got home, got out of the costume, showered, and put a robe on before the police showed up. Yeah, I think her hair was dry too. <laughs> like, there's no way she could have done all that and, and beat everybody home. But I digress. <laughs> yeah. And we don't want to spend too much time on this wonderful movie. Put it in the goofs. <laughs> did it as a goof. It's probably already in the goofs. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we can uh, start breezing through this plot here. Not too much to speak of. So there he's questioned by the police. They deny everything. He's joking about everything the entire time. He tells them he's an Electrolux salesman. Yeah. It's funny because it's a funny word. <laughs> totally brushes them off. And then they're visited the next day by uh, Richard Jenkins' character who's Trying to recruit them, and that's our next uh, clip. Did we ever thank you for the crib blankets? Oh, no, honey. The White House sent the crib blankets. Frank sent the Fisher-Price barnyard. You sent that? Oh, do you know those little cows really move? 
<laughs> Jeff plays with it day and night. Guys, I'd like you to consider something. The answer is no. Well, you haven't heard the question yet. Well, the answer is still no. Whatever it is you want to bully us into, we're not interested. We're off the field assignment list. Maternity leave. You gave us a party, remember? A very nice one, as I recall. Mm. And at which party? <clears throat> you said that if we were ever in a critical situation, we should just feel not free. Not the first 18 months, Frank. No, the books all show that the first 18 months are essential for the... Jesus. Tactical nuke? C-22. We are not interested. See what? Experimental plastic explosive, the most powerful plastic ever developed. So unstable, even the army won't use it. That's C-22. I thought they stopped making it. They did, and the remaining stock was stolen. Oh. Sell it to someone Please. else. Please. FBI thinks it's organized crime. Ah, uh, the FBI thinks everything's organized crime. <laughs> you think it's Novacek? Novacek? Oh, we're incredibly not interested. She hates me. Remember Budapest? You said you'd help out a little. Novacek is not a little, Frank. She's a psycho. Novacek's customers make their points by blowing up innocent people, including children. Oh, that's a low blow. All you have to do is find her. We'll do the rest. You get six months paid leave when you finish. That ought to help the postnatal bonding. Uh-uh. Just gonna have to find somebody else. We'll throw in a bonus. 20% of annual pay. <laughs> I made a solid promise to Jane. Not to 50%. Don't push it. Hey, I'm a mother now. You know what a decent college is gonna cost in 20 years? 30%. I'm already way over budget. 50? Going once. You mercenary thing, you. Going twice. I want a low-profile operation. Hey, you want low profile. You got low profile. We'll need the usual toys. They're on the way. Not the usual toys that they usually get from the CIA. <laughs> Unclear. So yes, they uh, the cops are continuing to hound them, at which you know Jeff continues to brush them off. Uh, they're kind of doing touristy type things, like they're going out to dinner, and um, when they're the uh, the cops are following them, and they yeah. follow them to this restaurant, and uh, Jeff. Notices that there's a van just idling outside of this bank for like seven minutes. And that's strange. So he goes and thwarts a bank robbery somewhat comedically. They never look at the driver. Yeah. Foreshadowing for the end. That's right. Yep. That's a good point. Never thought about that. See, this movie's more clever than you give a credit. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeff, had, Jeff had punched out the driver of the getaway car, getaway van rather. Buy American. You should have always buy American. They had some foreign piece of shit van that he had tied a a, a chain to the axle. And so yeah. he tried to drive off the the top part of the frame just completely fell off and egg on their face, those robbers. And they were all unharmed. Even yeah. Jeff. <laughs> well, he was wearing a seatbelt, so he was a little he was felt okay. a little better. But um, yeah, so that's happening. Um there's one suspect they can talk to, somebody who works with the uh was it the chemicals or whatever, some scientist. Saul Rubinek, his character, he plays like the scientist that they interrogate, but okay. uh, before, before we get to that, uh, we'll give you another example of the back and forth of Morty and Jeff. This is the second back and forth of Morty just cold calls <laughs> blue in the middle of the night. Yellow. This blue. Speaking. Do you remember me? 
Well, you have a really sexy voice. But hey, I'm a happily married man. Well, you're gonna be a dead man soon. <laughs> Who is this again? This is Muerte. Morty! No, no Morty. Muerte! Death! Yeah, right. Death. That's right. I'm gonna come for Joe, Mike. I'm gonna come for Joe, and I'm gonna kill Joe, okay? I'm gonna... Hey, 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 Morty, Morty, Morty. It's late. What's the bottom line here? The bottom line? The bottom line is Joe gonna die, man. Ugly. Okay? Uh, look, Morty, do me a favor, okay? Don't call here anymore unless you want to have, like, a serious conversation, all right? Excuse me! No! All right. Hello? Hello? Who is that? That was Morty. Oh, wait there. Yeah. He's going to be very useful. Boy, are you optimistic. Jeez. They're so unserious about everything. <laughs> I will point out, I wrote down in my notes, the blues were fired by the FBI and the CIA. That's what the cop found out from his buddy at the FBI. But that's also what, a, that what they do with a cover for somebody who's a, a CIA spook. Can you say that? Yeah. <laughs> in this context i guess it's okay jeff and jane blue are both white and they are both working for the caa so yes i can say that they're spooks <laughs> the father to a multiracial child i can say <laughs> you're diverse by association yeah. or procreation rather <laughs> Well, there's that one scene where they met in the the, the restaurant and uh, Halsey was just stuffing his face with beignets. <laughs> yeah. So you do like Larry Miller. He was just <laughs> stuffing his face with these things. <laughs> one after another. That's the why, not that's why. Um, uh, go ahead. Do you have some notes or something? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out i mean we're jumping all over the place but uh uh they met with mr foster at dinagon and uh he goes in uh jeff goes in as a reporter yeah and like he's just like smiling at the security camera <laughs> yeah he has a shitting grin the entire movie he's just like staring at it with a just giant smile on his face and then he goes in as a reporter and he takes a picture of this guy and then, like, he just, like, wants them to know that he's after them, I guess. Because, like, immediately after, they put out the the word to all the bad guys to look out for Jeff Blue. See the scene from MacGruber. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I, do you ask? My name is MacGruber. <laughs> it's like, you tell him that I am going to find him and I am going to kill him. <laughs> he's like, oh, I think that went great. They're like... They thought we were dead. That was a huge advantage for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, it, it gets back to Novacek and she's pissed. She's like, oh, Jeff Blue is asking questions. Yeah. Oh. The the Blues are constantly dropping references to previous escapades that they've been on in their spy career. Remember Budapest? You know, yeah. Dropping all these cities with different missions they were on. Well, or like remember Toronto? And like <laughs> they they get into the situation and like remember how we did it back in this other place and yep. Or Barcelona. <laughs> Sometimes there's a a mix up because one guy like Jeff thinks that 
you know, he's like, oh, remember what we did in this place and the, what he thought they did in that place. They did it in a different place. And so Jane yep. does something different. Hilarity ensues. He's <laughs> just supposed um, to. Yes. About $12.5 million of hilarity ensues. <laughs> On a $25 million budget, that's <laughs> not bad. Uh, there's another scene where Moorte confronts Jeff uh, and then uh, Jane beats him up. Yep. Um, they go to the uh, restaurant to to eat some oysters, and there's just four gunmen there. Yeah, sent by Novacek. It's that it's the guy from Twins. Uh, I'm Webster. He's also uh, he's Quato and Total Recall. I forget his <laughs> name. I don't think we stated it in the cast list, but um, yeah, Quato's in here. What's his name? Oh, it's Marshall Bell. That's his name. Still kicking. About eighty-one. But uh, yeah, um, where should we get to now? So they, well, they basically well, kidnap that uh, the scientist guy. You just want to get to that? Well, I, I was just going to mention the Morte accidentally helps them get away from the gunman. Yeah, he does. He just got his ass worked by Jane, and then he shows up as a pretending to be a waiter <laughs> with his knife again. Yeah, <laughs> brings a knife to a gunfight. Uh, <laughs> it's funny as Jeff Bloop throws the waiter tray and the table at the gunman, and then he throws Morty at the gunman. <laughs> I had kind of forgotten this, but uh, in the goose, it points out that Muerte loses teeth in like every scene. Yeah, that was another another <laughs> part of the running gag. He loses like four or five teeth by the end because there's one scene where he loses two. But the goof <laughs> is when he smiles, all his teeth are there. Yeah, well, at the end, um. On the boat and like the epilogue, basically, he's like, "No more games." And you could tell like they blacked out some teeth. Yeah. When he spits one out in the finale, you can kind of see where they markered in a tooth. You can tell it's just a black colored tooth. At the end, it's like a just like a comically large amount of teeth coming out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there's there's no way he's got that many teeth. Um, I was gonna say, did you notice that that. Uh, so the black cop, did you notice he kept on playing that baseball game with the steel balls? Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Did you have I had that exact one growing up. Did you ever have something like that? I don't think I had that one. I had stuff that was similar. I never really sure. got like the purpose of those things or because you're just supposed to kind of balance the steel balls having fallen to the holes all over the, the baseball diamond in the outfield. Well, that's a trick. You gotta get all of them. Yeah, but I mean, it's pretty easy, like, to get them in the hole. Once you got a few in there, you know, they don't, unless you really shake it, they don't fall out of the hole. Well, they uh, they make it for children. You know, it's not, but he was having a Dickens of a time getting it in there. That's, uh, I guess that's the joke, is like, yeah. it's a kid's game, but uh, he can't figure it out. Jane was like, uh, first try. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we I had stuff like that. I didn't have that one in particular but uh those are uh pretty popular back then yeah they get some information of a guy they pretend like they're going to torture him how much to say about that because they're uh they get some information out of him saying he's going to meet uh, his contact the next day in the cemetery two. two and then when they show up there he's already dead <laughs> so oh, he must have gotten here early yeah i, I feel like we're jumping around because i Foster is the one that falls out of the tomb at the cemetery. He was the one that they met at Dinegan. 
Um, Is that and Saul Rubinek? Saul Rubinek was the banker. So they went to the bank afterward. So, oh, yeah. They, they went to Foster's house after they found him dead. Yeah. Um, Ted and Hal were waiting for them. Yeah, that's where this clip comes from because they're like they break into the house that is taped off, of course, and Dennis Quaid sees this. Uh huh. And that's funny. What? A shoe. And? It's got a foot in it. <laughs> Some of the, just another example of the shtick to this does not stop. Yes. Just non stop. Like, like I was like, oh, by this point, Brett's just going to be so annoyed <laughs> with Dennis Quaid. <laughs> but, um, I can I yeah, can the, take uh, a lot of shtick uh, yeah. usually it's it's but it's not like I don't know I I don't hate it yeah uh, I may not like it necessarily but I, I don't always hate it um, but I think at the house is they find out he was going to an ATM across town when there was a bank across the street from his house and yeah and that's how they got to Sal Rubinek and they they kidnapped him. They harass him about some ATM thing, and then they they kidnap him, and then they send, they, they uh, send the, the cops in to harass him about the ATM. Yes, somebody to tell me about the automatic teller machine. Who runs the automatic teller machine? Talk very loudly, <laughs> and don't take no for an answer. Um, they get the cops to make asses out of themselves in the bank. Yeah, at the house, uh, Jane finds. That there's something underneath the table and they flip it over and it's filled with money. Yeah. So they they take it all out and Jeff Blue goes, damn, no, nothing but money, you know, and just like <laughs> really, really hamming it up. Yeah. But this is also the point in which they kind of fill in the cops of somewhat of what's going on. So that was our next clip. All right. Hey, you want to tell us the whole story of what? We can tell you part of the story. You can tell me all of it. Part or nothing. Well, how about we bust your ass for B&E? Well, how about we talk to that nice governor of yours? All right. Tell me part of the story. Gee, you know, hard to know where to begin. Well, my parents are really simple, folks. My father, he was a steam fitter. Come on, man, irrelevant part. Okay. What do you know about recent Czechoslovakia political history? No more comments, right? And a bloodless revolution. Very good. I saw it on PBS. File. Who is this? Paulina Novacek, head of the Czech secret police. She left Prague two jumps ahead of the firing squad. So now she's in New Orleans? Well, we think so. She's got men planted in labs and factories all over the South. Industrial theft. Steals weapons, chemicals, sells them. So you gotta find her and send her back. There's no extradition. Nope, she has to go back voluntarily. And you think Foster worked for Novacek? Oh, yeah, he was the middleman that was funneling stuff to her. To him, we'll find the guys. So what we have to do is find the middleman. So the exposition is all laid out there for you. Megas middleman was probably uh, Rubinek then? Yep, I believe so. Because they get Novacek's phone number from him. Yeah. And then, then they uh, go to the zoo. They go to the zoo because, yeah. you know, stuff. They um, needed a, a different setting for another Muerte showdown. Yes. And Jane fakes a seizure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reluctantly. Or a fit, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a... Oh, my God. My wife's having a fit. <laughs> <laughs> back, back when you could still have a fit. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I don't think that's a legit medical thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Fits. Back before um, they knew what epilepsy was. <laughs> I mean, they I'm knew, sure. but like the I'm movie sure. going audience didn't really. There were no warning signs outside of movies saying, if you have troubles with epilepsy, this movie has a lot of flashing lights and blah, blah, blah. You know, we had the, the sign outside the theater for uh, Scream 6. There's a lot of flashing lights on the subway. At the EMC's, there, he's put one at the ticket counter or the ticket taker counter. And it's like, uh, these four movies uh, all have flashing lights. So if you're an epileptic, you're, you're shit out of luck. Like Avatar, the latest Marvel movie, Shazam, Scream 6. Oh, they all have You're talking about lights. that Shaquille O'Neal movie? No, I'm talking about the uh, Sinbad <laughs> movie. That one, it was called Shazam, wasn't it? It was uh, Sinbad, the uh, Shazam genie. Sinbad? That was Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal was Kazam. Oh, Kazam. Okay, that's what I'm thinking <laughs> of. I was like, wasn't that the same name? You know, Shazam? Kazam. There we go. Shazam was the Sinbad movie that doesn't exist, but people insist that <laughs> it right. does. We talked about that on a previous episode. It's the Mandela effect. Because <laughs> it's not real. It, it never happened. Yeah. But people swear that it did. Oh, it must have happened. So was, was that before was or after than... Sinbad turned white? It was before Jingle All the Way, so um, I think he was still tan. He was still black and proud? I think he was still tan. Oh. <laughs> well, it's like when you see, uh, fuck, who is a Cubs player? Uh, Sammy Sosa? Sammy Sosa. <laughs> he got the vitiligo bad in his retirement. Everyone's like, who's this? Speaking of vitiligo, do you see those uh, commercials for vitiligo medicine that uh, Morgan Freeman narrates? No. Oh, I suppose you got to watch TV to see those. He should be narrating commercials for compression sleeves is what he should be doing. <laughs> he played the father of Lawrence Pugh's fiance in a recent movie. I have no um, idea who that is. Florence Pugh. Oh, Florence Pugh. I thought you said... He said something different. Like Pl- Florence. I, was, I don't know who the fuck Florence is. <laughs> Florence Hughes or something. I was like, what? Like, like, what do you what do you mean you don't know who she is? Like she's your favorite. Oh, actress. I love Florence, Florence Pugh. <laughs> I said Florence Hughes or something. I was like, who the fuck is that? I don't think I did. I think you misheard. Florence Pugh. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh 90 year old. Uh, Morgan Freeman played the father of a man who was a, engaged to marry 25-year-old Florence Pugh. <laughs> Probably because a, Zach Braff movie, is directing. Yes, in a movie directed and written by Zach Braff, who is about 60 years old and just broke up with Florence <laughs> Pugh. Come on, he's only like 50, if that. Probably like 55. Maybe older. I don't know. Well, anyways, we were... You want to point out that Muerte ends up in the alligator pit. Yeah. And Jeff tricks him into getting naked. Uh-huh. He's going to fashion uh, him a rope by ripping his clothes up. <laughs> he also gets his, uh, gets money out of him because he owes him for the stroller. Yes. Seven fifty. His clothes are not strong enough or long enough to make a rope. And then, um, he just leaves him. He just mm-hmm. leaves him in the alligator pit with no pants. On. He's going to go call for help. 
And he never does. What an asshole. It's like at the end. We'll go for help. They gave him they gave him a life raft. But uh um all right, we can kind of skip around towards the uh I mean we're getting pretty close to the end here. Cops are involved. Who is the post feminist doll? Do you remember that scene? The what? I think like the post feminist doll. Post feminist doll. Well, I'm not sure. I mean, she does uh, Jane Blue uses the doll and the uh you know tricks him. She puts the doll into the baby carriage. That's right. When they show up at her house. As Jeff they, goes to they foreshadow it beforehand and then they uh yeah. they use it as a decoy. She she dresses up in her costume again to go uh <laughs> talk to Moverte <laughs> at the bar to basically con him into getting in touch with Novacek. Yes. Because <laughs> he has information that can, you know, help her with blue. Yes. <laughs> God, he's such a useful idiot. <laughs> Yeah, so he goes and meets up with Novacek and she ties him up. And uh, she's about to lower him. Where are they? Like, uh, is that like a a mill of some sort? Or maybe they're making like, I don't know. They're like on the docks. Making like concrete or something or something or other. I don't know. Can't tell what it is. Yeah. Some sort of industrial complex, there's, I guess. There's vats of like powder. Yeah. I don't know. Vats of powder and there's a lot of Water and mud outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're on the docks too. It's weird. I, I well, I suppose know. it's Louisiana or uh, New Orleans. So there's a lot of swamps around, you know? Yes. It's very swampy, very wet, very moist and sweaty. Moist. In the deep south. Moist. <laughs> Our listeners will love that. Moist. Moist. The baby takes its first steps. Jeff is not there to see it. Yeah. Got some nice Polaroids of it, though. What a terrible father. That's when uh, Webster and the guy from Wayne's World 2 shows up and basically subdue Jane after a while. If she kicks a bunch of their asses, the one of them has a taser. So they take her in and they don't like they don't realize that it's not a baby in the carriage. It's an obvious doll. <laughs> and like this whole time transporting her to and from, you know, you wouldn't think that oh, this needs a baby seat or something. Or she's just oh. holding the baby the entire time in the car. I don't know. That's another leap you have to take. The baby literally weighs like two pounds. <laughs> and it's like a, a human baby is going to weigh at least 10, probably yeah. 15 to 20 at that point. Yeah. And uh, they get there. Um, Jeff had shown up ahead of time with the cops and they get caught right away. Kind of by design. Well, Jeff, Jeff shows up with Ted because Halsey's at the hotel waiting for Jane to come out. That's right. And he gets distracted by the jazz musicians around and falls asleep yes. outside. Such <laughs> a schmuck. I think this kind of leads us to our last clip. This is kind of like where they're all, there's a big confrontation between all of them. They're talking out their issues. And uh, this is where uh, Jeff is playing it off like Muerte is the, the big boss man. Yes. <laughs> your confederates. Paulina, Paulina, Paulina. My hat's off to you. Oh, why not your pants? <laughs> you know, I could figure you getting me. I could figure you grabbing Jane. But to get your hands on the boss man himself, 
The big M. This man is your superior. I said to him, sir, the risk is too great. You stay here in the hollow mountain where it's safe, and I shall go forth. No, 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 no. My name is Morty. Muerte. I kill you. Someone find out who this man is and then kill him. We've got no time for this. Mrs. Bull, please, passing your child over. No, don't do it. How heroic. She chucks the baby at him because it's a bomb, not, yes. not a baby. <laughs> bomb explodes and... It just distracts everyone from all the ass weapons they're going to take. Well, she shoots a bunch of guys. Yep. She subdues one, takes his gun, and just starts shooting people. And <laughs> Jeff's working his magic. It's just suddenly very violent. But Ted's not doing all that much. Muerte shoots himself in the foot. Yeah, because he's handcuffed. Falls through the stairs. Stuck. Yeah. Because yes. uh, Novacek, she runs upstairs like she's going up to the helicopter. And it would have ended there because she would have gotten into the helicopter willingly, but then she falls off of the ladder because the the case is too heavy, the case of the C-22. The C-22. So she, well, the yes. case falls, and then so she gets lowered down to pick it up, down in the water in the mud, at which time a big cat fight in the mud ensues. <laughs> I think this is, uh, this is around the time there was a lot of mud wrestling, it seemed like, in 90s movies. Early 90s. Son-in-law had a big mud wrestling scene at a bar. Um, we got the mud wrestling here. What are some other ones I'm trying to think of? Feels like, uh, was there a mud wrestling scene in Stripes? I know that's like 81 or something, but... I don't remember. I've only seen Stripes one time. The only the only one I can think of is Bubble Boy. Okay. And that was what? Five hundred dollars. 2000? 99? It was like 01. 01. Jake Gyllenhaal, start of his <laughs> career. Before he did all the uh, the gay stuff. Um, <laughs> what, like Southpaw? <laughs> like Jarhead. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, Brokeback Mountain, too. Um, yeah, he had a lot of movies where it's like, why are you showing your butt around a bunch of other guys? <laughs> I guess I didn't notice this. This is, this is it's like you, you notice this stuff a lot because you you talk glowingly about Willem Dafoe's penis and its many appearances in film across the decades. But <laughs> I don't speak glowingly, uh, matter of factly, maybe. Um, this is the first time I've actually heard you speak about Jillian uh, Hall's ass in movies. I don't think I've ever seen his butt. I don't like to. Well, did you see Jarhead? I have not seen Jarhead. I heard he beats off in there there was uh there was around that time it felt like there was about three or four movies where it's like <laughs> you're playing a closeted homosexual aren't you i i can tell and then he kind of started just playing more straight roles well have you seen his wife maggie woof <laughs> his wife maggie <laughs> yes. you know who hates maggie gyllenhaal <laughs> um, Chola, uh, you you. I'll call her Chola because that's how she went by on Positively Wolfie. She Why does she hates, hate Maggie? Because she's ugly. <laughs> I don't. I don't find her ugly. There is certainly certain movies where she looks uh, better than in others. 
She just hates her face. You know, I didn't mind her in uh, Brain Fire. What was the name of the series, the HBO series, the 42nd Street? The Deuce. Oh, yeah. She was pleasant enough in The Deuce. There was that movie where she was like a... Wasn't she like a hooker that was trying to take care of a kid? Fuck, what was the name of that movie? She got naked a lot in that. Didn't mind it. I don't think I... But, um, yeah. I don't have a strong opinion either way. <laughs> My strongest opinion I have of her, and I thought I thought she was really terrible in The Dark Knight because Katie Holmes was famously replaced for being terrible in Batman Begins and replaced her with Maggie Gyllenhaal, who was equally terrible, I thought, no, yeah. in her performance. <laughs> like She's much, much better in other things I've seen. I was like, God, she's just terrible in here. Maybe it's the dialogue they gave her. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. The Dark Knight is uh, it's the greatest superhero movie ever made. <laughs> ever, ever. Of the three uh, Nolan movies, it's the whole, it's the one that I like the most. Yeah, uh, I saw it before I saw Batman Begins because I, I'm like I don't give a shit about Bruce Wayne learning karate in the Himalayas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third, the third movie, it was just like I don't like. Did they fire the continuity person on this? What's going on? <laughs> Some deleted scenes, I think. <laughs> so yeah, this is pretty much the end. Uh, there's a fight ensues. She thinks she gets the upper hand, and then she doesn't. But then you know she gets away into the helicopter, jumps in, and she's caught. And as my notes say, she was picked up by Frank. Of the Czech police. Frank of the Czech police. That's, well, that's did somebody say Czech say. police? That's what my notes say. So it notes must say, be but true. There was a, well, there was a Czech guy in the back that she was familiar with, and he was Czechoslovakian. So that's why she got in. She recognized. She was like, oh, oh, oh. And then Frank was sitting shotgun. I don't know who the pilot was, but the pilot had to have been um, Czech never, as well. They never look at the driver. Yep. And then there's the epilogue where they're uh, vacationing, enjoying their time together as a family on a on a sailboat in the Caribbean. And Muerte, Morty himself, has uh, is a stowaway. He's somehow snuck on board. Still holding a grudge. They're out in the middle of the ocean, and he pops up behind him with his knife, of course. My name is Muerte, and don't you forget it. Yep, they hit him with the uh, with the, the jib. Sure, I'm not a boater. It sounds like a race, a racial term or a slur, but <laughs> he gets hit with a jib and he gets knocked into the ocean. Sounds anti-Semitic. <laughs> I was thinking racist. I wasn't thinking anti-Semitic, but well, he gets hit with a jib, and uh, <laughs> yeah, because I think they were about to ease the sheet, if you will. I learned all my boating terms from uh, Wedding Crashers. <laughs> <laughs> Just swing the jib here for your damn starboard, trying to get it over here and crease the sheet. But, yeah, uh, I can see that. A sailor. How about a cigar? Let's go talk. I was going to say uh, your comment about the jib is. Do uh, you remember on Tosh Point oh, he had a segment on um, words that sound racist but aren't? <laughs> <laughs> I forget what all of them were. The one I remember is uh, Chingy. 
<laughs> what was that? The rapper Chingy. <laughs> Chingy. <laughs> yeah. But what, the one I remember is uh, the phrase spoon face. Mm. <laughs> the the elderly Asian woman he had on the panel was <laughs> terribly offended by that one. <laughs> I feel like that's something that Clint Eastwood said in Gran Torino. <laughs> she, she felt that one was uh, across the line. <laughs> uh, she thought it was about her. Um, and I don't know, that might say something more about her than it does about anybody else, but uh, Spoonface, uh, you probably don't call people that. All right, well, let's start to wrap this up here. Um, yeah, so Marta gets knocked into the ocean. They throw him a life raft and say, oh, we're going to go get go for help. And they're in the middle of the ocean, so he's fucked. Yeah, but... Um, they're really anything... sadistic, aren't they? I mean, <laughs> well, just... he comes at him with a knife like six times, <laughs> even around to their their baby. So, but like they cover well up rights. with their their jokes and shit. But like they're really bad people. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, they gave Morty numerous chances. Jane killed like five guys. Well, they all <laughs> had guns too. They were terrorists. Do we I don't? So. They don't negotiate with terrorists, okay? Well, Clinton would have. That's why they work for the Czech guy. There's a whole ten items on the trivia page, and I'm sure they're all interesting. Hey, everybody. Here's some fun facts. How about this one? Uh, in the bar, one of the men is kidding Muerte about being defeated by a man with a little baby. Muerte slams the man's head down on a glass, shattering the glass. Just before this happens, the man covers the glass with his hand so that his face hits his hand, not the glass. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> that's that's like that show from the late nineties, the secrets of pro wrestling revealed. And it's like, yeah, we we know. Like we know how they do it. Like that's not a big revelation, Nick Bakai. Here's a fun fact. Speaking of uh uh sailing terms, how about this worthless piece of trivia? On the compass binacle in the sailboat at the end of the movie, it has two Dymo label strips, whatever the fuck that is, for bearings, quote, Dana Point Avalon 244M and Newport Avalon 224M, which would be for a sailboat used off the California coast, not New Orleans. So for all these sailing enthusiasts out there, this was continuity error. This was a California sailboat through and through. That should have been in the goofs, not in the yeah. trivia. Just like the earlier one I read, the first one I read. It's not even a goof. What is that? A revealing mistake? <laughs> <laughs> errors, errors made by characters. Here's a fun fact. Well, how about this? The role of Muerte was offered to Antonio Banderas. For some reason, turned it down. Don't know why. Yeah. Led to such huge things for Stanley Tucci. I like Stanley Tucci quite a bit. But I feel like he didn't really do shit until about another 12 years after this movie. Like, I don't really remember him for much. Yeah, uh, I think he yeah, he really uh, became more famous in the 2000s. Here's another fun fact. How about this little nugget? According to Dave Chappelle, he was choked by an onset police officer who thought he was a trespasser. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's still here and he, got, he put up pictures of his family. <laughs> <laughs> Sprinkle some crack on him. <laughs> Still here, and he and he got pictures of himself and his family. 
Um, uh, during the mock torture scene, Jeff Blue says that his wife Jane is Doctor Natasha Letalanya from the Rosa Kleb Institute. Mm. Uh, Letalanya portrayed Rosa Kleb in the 1963 James Bond film From Russia with Love. There we go. In the book, she's described as being an expert at inducing extreme pain and enjoying the act of torturing. That is correct. Here's another fun fact. At Dynagon Industries, Jeff introduces himself as Hildy Johnson. This was a character portrayed by Rosalind Russell in His Girl Friday. Right? Everyone knows that. I've, I've heard that's a good movie. I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, the original title of the film was Cloak and Diaper. And then they'll do it for the trivia. <laughs> Cloak and Dagger was probably about eight years before this. It was an 80s movie. Well, I think that was a term coined long yeah, before the sure. movie. Sure. Real Cloak and Dagger stuff for yes. that term and other movies, specifically spy movies, many a times. Cloak and Dagger. I think that'll do it unless you have anything else to add about Undercover Blues. Uh, do you want to rate it? Sure, I'll uh, I'll give it an eventually. Uh, obviously, I have uh, nostalgia tainted glasses or goggles, whatever, whatever you want. Um, looking at this film, I still had a lot of fun with it. I think it holds up for some people. <laughs> <laughs> like like I said, I think people have very strong reactions to this. It's going to be too corny, cheesy, sticky to like it. You know, they're just going to hate it, or they're going to embrace it and really like it. Yeah, so I would give it an eventually. Eventually. A letterboxed, I'd probably give it three stars, just barely. You know, it's not, it's good for a family movie. Like in context and when it came out, I think it's fine. You could do worse. Yeah, yeah. You could do worse. I would give it a last resort. It's a last resort. Um, I logged it on letterboxed as a two out of five. Sure. Sure. That'll happen. Yeah. I feel like, uh, how you felt about Undercover Blues was the same I felt about Spaced Invaders. Yeah, probably. Pretty pretty amusing, but I don't know. It's very That's cheesy. something I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, pretty much. You wouldn't go out of your way to, to see it now. No. If you're, you know, you wouldn't recommend, you wouldn't necessarily recommend it to somebody, but if they wanted to watch it, you wouldn't say, you know. Yeah. Like Don't. I wouldn't watch Space Invaders with my kid when he's five, but I I wouldn't watch this with my kid when he's five either. <laughs> Maybe I try to be like, oh god, damn, this sucks. Yeah, I don't think uh, kids would appreciate Space Invaders now. Yeah, I think it's of its time. That goes with a lot of movies. Cause yeah, right. That's that's right. According to streaming, no movies existed before two thousand. <laughs> All right, well, Brett, where can people find lovely WTM merchandise that they can purchase and at the same time help out the show? Yeah, you can go to wtmwatchthismovie.creator-spring.com. You can also reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie or Brett at PositivelyWolf1, which is the same handle as his letterbox profile. Mine is under Eric underscore Mulder. You can check out our website at WTMWatchThisMovie.com. And please rate and review, subscribe, and have a podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and many other podcast apps. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around.
right, check you later. Bye. Later. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you about? later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case. Oh, too bad. Uh, you know, when we did that, when was it, Vern? Two years ago. It was three years ago. Oh, no, honey, it wasn't. It was long. right after my hemorrhoid surgery.